Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. There's a big difference between uh, mothers and fathers. Have you noticed that? Thank, thank God for mothers. Thank God for mothers. And just so uh, I can kind of set this up this morning, I was so excited to preach on Mother's Day. Last year, I think we had all the, the mamas preach, but this, this year we gave all the mamas the Sunday off. But um, you, you can't have a mother unless there's a father. So we know that, that God is Father God, our Father who art in heaven. And we're in a kind of a series at the moment where we have a swell that, of people that make decisions for Christ over hero and decisions for Christ over Easter. And then a lot of people, when they walk into church, they're not used to it loud. They're not used to the senior pastor here pulling his baseball cap on backwards and... You know, are they for real? And are they allowed to laugh? Are you really allowed to have fun in church? And what do you mean loud? Isn't church meant to be somber and reflective? And, and, uh, and so, so I, I just kind of, I like the, the baptism into, I, I don't know how to do religion. I got saved on a beach and I know how powerful the word is. I know how powerful praise is. I know how moving and powerful worship is. I, I know how when I hear the word of God preached and I receive it into my heart, how it changes things in my life. And so sometimes you can walk in and, and it is different as meant to be. Church is not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. You should actually enjoy church. You don't feel bad for enjoying church. You were created for fellowship with God. God created a garden called Eden, which is Hebrew for paradise. He created a paradisical garden where he put Adam and Eve and they enjoyed his presence. You should find that in his presence is fullness of joy. You should actually look forward to church. It's, it's a right thing and a good thing for your kids to say, Mama, are we going to church? I love church. It, it's fun for them to have kids' church. It's fun for them to have slides and games and crafts and activities. It's fun, Connor Mead, to have our young people looking forward to, you know, we did a prom just 10 days ago or less, and there were so many kids who missed out on prom because of COVID and all the schools being locked down and shut down and uh, outdoor events. You know, and so we, we had teenagers crying because they were loving dressing up and dancing and having fun, and there were prizes and games. Church should be a house of celebration, should be a house of life. So one of the things that you will see in this house is the empowerment of women, is the empowerment of women. Two, two things that I, I, I constantly get attacked from, and it's so beautiful because it's by other pastors. And, uh, but the two things I get, that we get attacked on is we're the prosperity church. Prosperity, preach prosperity. Well, from Genesis to Revelation, you can't find anywhere where God is anti-prosperity. He does say that you've got to be careful that when you get blessed, 
that you don't put your trust in your wealth, but you remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenants in the earth. But the second one is the empowerment of women. Alexander the, the Alexander de Tocqueville, or Alexis de Tocqueville from uh, France, came over in the uh, 1800s and had a look at America. And he wrote a book called Democracy in America because both America and Fr France went through a revolution. Their revolution was very, very bloody and not long lasting. Within a decade, they had another dictator running France, whereas America, our revolution, was so transformative that we literally have become the bastion of what freedom looks like around the world. Now, obviously, it's under attack at the moment. But Alexander de Tocqueville, when he came and he looked at America, his report when he went back to France was America is thriving, America is healthy, it is, it, its population is absolutely happy and abounding. They've created a new, and he said, this is the reason, it's the empowerment of women. He said it, when, when he saw the American women in all the other places, women were seen and not heard. They, they were chattel. They were treated as second class. He said, but not in America. In America, the women were empowered. The Bible says that God created man in his image, male and female. He created them. And I have a real problem with people that, that take two scriptures out of context to say that a woman should be silent and a woman shouldn't teach or have authority over a man. So let me just say, let me just help you on both of those. When Pastor Michaela is up here and she is teaching, she is under my authority. I'm the, 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 the authority over the house and I ask our ladies to preach because every healthy home has a father's voice and a mother's voice. A healthy house has a father's voice and a mother's voice. A healthy church has a father's voice and a mother's voice. Anyway, so God so loved, he, he gave us mothers. So come with me in your Bibles. We're going to read the first chapter we're going to read is uh, Judges chapter 5. Judges chapter 5. And it, it's the story of Deborah. So you, you'll... you'll uh, immediately recognize that Deborah was one of the judges that God raised up. If you are asking me right now, what is going on in our world? Where are we at in the world? When I read the Bible, where are we at? We are right now in Judges. We're in the book of Judges right now. Uh, judges is, the Bible says there was no king in Israel in those days. Each man did what was right in his own eyes. So Judges kind of opens up with that stanza. And then the last verse of Judges is there was no king in Israel. Each man did what was right in his own eyes. It's a, it's a, it's a relativism. Uh, we, we've gotten rid of the gospel out of our schools. We've gotten rid of the, the, the Ten Commandments. We've gotten rid of God's laws. And now we're in a place where there's no king in Israel. You're your own king. And each man does what is right in their own eyes. But if you read the book of Judges, which I would say is helpful, you'll recognize that probably one of the messiest books and one of the messiest times in Israel's history was when there was no, no king in Israel. Each man did what was right in his own eyes. It never goes well. So God raised up judges. What is a judge? A judge is someone who judges. But they, they, they weren't the wig wearing, you know, spectacle, bring the gavel. They, 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 Samson was a judge. Jephthah was a judge. Shamgar was a judge. A judge was just somebody who, in a, in a culture of moral relativism and lukewarmness, 
these guys, these guys were absolutely sold out and convinced this is right, this is wrong, and they spoke up for God. Right now, awakened church is one of the judges that God has raised up in this hour because we, 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 we are holding fast to what we believe is biblical truth. We're not departing from it. We may get attacked. We may get vilified. Uh, but that's, that's our assignment because we see people being delivered and being set free because that's the job of the judges. That's the job of the judges. So anyway, so here's, here is Deborah. It says, then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day. They just uh, had an incredible victory. When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hero kings, give hero princes. I, even I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, you marched from the field of Edom. The earth trembled, the heavens poured, the clouds also poured water. The mountains gushed before the Lord. This Sinai before the Lord God of Israel in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath. In the days of Jael, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. Lockdowns, shutdowns, village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. Arose a mother in Israel. Arose a mother in Israel. And then it says, they chose new gods and there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among the 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me give you three quick thoughts. The first one is a mother's courage. A mother's courage. Deborah, in a time where, where the men were happy to, to take a backseat, they were happy to be servant to the, the nations around about them. God had delivered them into the promised land. They had taken the promised land, but instead of driving out, they decided to coexist. Instead of driving out the enemies and the inhabitants of the land, like God had instructed them, they went down the hole, let's just do, do the tolerance thing, let's just do the coexist thing with all the different symbols. The problem is that what you, whatever you feed, thrives. Whatever you feed grows. Whatever you starve dies. And so the nations that they were meant to drive out, they left in the land. These things multiplied and now they were tormenting them. Now they were ruling over them. And, and all the men had, had been under attack and so they'd submitted. But this woman called Deborah refuses to submit. She refuses to back up from what she knows. And she kept reminding Israel, God has given us this land. It's because you guys collaborated. You guys compromised. You guys basically took bribes and let, and now we're in this mess. And the men are like, oh, no, no, we're, we're too. And so she stood up and she began to, and then a guy called Barak came and, and she prophesies and she says, Sisera, the commander of the Syrian army, He's going to be taken out. And he's like, man, whew, look, I, 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 their army is bigger than ours. I'm not sure if I even want to engage in battle. And she says, God is going to give us victory over them. He says, well, will, will you come with us then into battle? Will you be a mama with us in battle? She says, all right, I'll come with you in battle. But because you're asking me to go with you in battle, the glory of the victory will not go to you. It'll go to a woman. And that's the story that we read about of Jael. Jael is the one that puts the tent peg through. Where, where, you know, remember Sisera is running from, from the heat of the battle and he sees a tent. And what's interesting is Jael's husband is, you know, he's, he's a sellout. 
He's a rhino. He, he sold out to the, to the Syrians. You know, he was on their payroll, true story, and for real. And, uh, and so, so he, when he sees, he thinks, oh, you know, the wife's, but JL's like, no, 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 her name means God is God. Yah is God is JL. And she says, and he's like, oh, I'm thirsty. Can you hide me? Come in, uh, come in, I'll hide, I'll hide you. <laughs> come into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. She says, come in. He's like, have you got any water? Water. I've got milk. It's just nice and warm. Lay down. Rest. Drink up. You've got a little milk mustache. Now go to sleep. And as he falls asleep, she goes and gets the tent peg. And then she goes in, she says, who are you looking for? They're like Sisera, the, the captain of the Syrian army. <clears throat> and when the Syrian army heard that their commander was dead at the hand of a woman, they fled and God brought victory. God brought the victory. <clears throat> God brought the victory through the courage of mothers, through the courage of mothers. I remember when I was... Uh, about 10, 10 years of age, there was, there was, this, there, there was this kid. We, we grew up in a pretty, pretty interesting area, and uh, it was a very low socioeconomic area. We were a migrant family from Germany that, that moved to Australia. There was a, a, a hostel where they housed people, and then, you know, as, as people began to make a little bit of money, they could, you know, buy. And so, but where you bought, you didn't buy at the top end, you kind of bought at the bottom end, you were just glad to get your foot in the door. So we lived in a in a place called Dapto, and it's, it's still when I say it, I, I kind of feel nervous saying it because it's, it's in, a little bit embarrassing. And so uh, that's where I grew up, and uh, there's a lot of uh, broken homes, a lot of dysfunction. Well, there was this kid, he, he, I was 10, he was 14, his name was Jason McKee, and he, he would always, he was always like bullying people. And we had a, a fish and chip shop and the, the fish and chip shop had pinball machines. And so we would go down and, and if someone was playing the pinball machine, you got your 20 cents or the equivalent of a quarter and you put it on the machine, you know, and then when that person's game finished, if they didn't win a, a free game, then whoever's 20 cents, you know, and you know, they were lined up on the side and, and then you went next. Well, we're waiting, we're waiting, and there's me and my little brother, and I've got my 20 cents, and my little brother's got his 20 cents, and so Jason McKee was playing, and, and you know, and he was 14, and he, had a, he always had a cigarette behind his ear, and he had, you know, a, kind of like a sleeveless shirt with a packet of Marlboro, you know, up here, you know, because that's what tough kids do, and uh, anyway, when he finished his game, he takes my 20 cent, and he puts it in, I said, hey, that's my 20 cent, and he just, you know, punched me. And then he played my, mine, and then he, he lost that game. So then he takes my brother's. So my little brother starts crying because he's like seven. So he runs home, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. So I'm thinking, I'll just wait it out, let Jason McKee finish. I still had another 20 cents in my pocket, but I wasn't going to put it on the, on the machine. Well, my little brother runs home. The next time I look out, and my mum, my dad had a 1965 Chevy Bel Air. Uh, all of a sudden, this, this blue Chevy Bel Air pulls up. She doesn't even turn the car off. The door comes open. And my mother, I reckon she's maybe five foot two. Maybe, like if she had heels, she was five foot two. 
she just comes, to, I'm like, oh dear God, oh no, I know that look. I know that look. And, and Jason McKee standing on one leg, trying to be cool, playing the pinball machine. And the next minute, my mom, you know, says to my little brother, which one is it, which one is it? And my little brother points at Jason McKee. He's just playing the pinball. Like this. And my mum comes over. It was, it, was just, it was just brilliant. It was brilliant. She comes and she grabs him by the ear. She grabs him by the ear. And he's like, hey! And she drags him to the door. And, you know, this is, you can't do this anymore. I, she slaps him upside the head. And he's like this. She makes him give us back our money. And then she threatens him that if she ever hears him bullying another kid again, he's going to find out where she lives and he's going to come around and she's going to give him a proper beating. <laughs> after that, Jason McKee became friends. <laughs> like he would look after me in high school. Don't mess with mama bear. Don't mess with the mama bears. Did you see who went down to the, the courthouse? It wasn't the men going down to the schoolhouses or the courthouses. or the, It was the women. Thank God for the mama bears. Right now, I'm telling you, we live in an age, we live in an age right now where the mama bears are rising. And I refuse to bow to a religious spirit, a religious spirit that says, oh, the mama bears should be silent in church. God doesn't want mama bears speaking. You better believe that God raised up Deborah. God is raising up mamas. I thank God for our mama bears in the house of God. I thank God for Rachie Fan. I thank God for Leishy Williams. I thank God for Amber Dillon. I thank God for our mama bears. Our mama bears helping in recovery, changing lives. Mrs. Gargaron. Thank God for our mama bears rising up. And I'm telling you that the, the county supervisors are terrified of our mama bears. Thank God for mama bears. Do you know it's the mama bears right now that, that started the boycott with uh, Disney. Disney Plus has lost over 70% of its stock value because mama bears are saying, stop sexualizing our children. We didn't sign up our children at Disney for you to indoctrinate them with perversion with wickedness, with uncleanness. Thank God for the mama bears. Awakened Church is a church that empowers our mamas. We know that we need a father's voice and we need a mama's voice. The father may be the head of the home, but can I tell you the mama is the heart of the home. The father may be the head, but the mama's the heart. The mama carries the heart of the home. Thank God for our mamas. Number two, number two is a mother's faith. A mother's faith. If, 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 if you look at the Bible and just take a step back, there are some very profound moments in the Scripture where deliverance was only possible because of a mother's faith. When, when, when Israel were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, 400 years, they were, in, they were slaves, whips on their back, having to, to bake bricks for, for Pharaoh's 
all of his different projects and his palaces and his structures and his monuments and whoosh, and it was the Israelites working all day, no salary. They, they just worked to stay alive. That's what slavery is. Please understand the reason that, that, that we have no problem preaching prosperity is because poverty and welfare go together. Welfare makes you dependent upon a government. And I need you to understand that the government that is, is promising you welfare does not have your welfare at heart. It has your bondage, your servitude, and your dependency at heart. It will never give you enough to flourish. It will never give you enough of a start so that you can one day become independent, say, thank you, I needed that hand up. I don't need, no, no. It, it will only give you enough to keep you alive. You look at all the places that are heavily welfare, it's heavily dependent. The people are dependent on their food stamps. The people are de dependent on their welfare checks. The people are dependent on, that they can never break out because these people don't want them to break out. They live, they fly on private jets. Nancy Pelosi's alcohol bill is $11,000 a month on her private jet as she goes to and from San Francisco to, to Washington, D.C. They, they, they eat in the finest restaurants, French laundry, where, you know, they have $2,000 bottles of wine and they're able to do that because they created a class, a class of people who are dependent upon their benevolence to, to hand out. It's exactly the same. Wake up. God wants you to prosper. And the reason that prosperity comes under so much attack is because when you prosper, you don't need man. You don't need God because you have an open heaven. You walk under the blessing of God and the devil hates you being dependent only on God. This nation is one nation under God, not under government, one nation under God. And so in, in the time of this bondage, Pharaoh decides that, that Israel are getting too strong, that they're, they're multiplying too fast. So we, we got to go on a, on a cull here and we got to start throwing all the male babies. We got to throw them into the Nile River and drown them to control the population because we don't want you to flourish. If you flourish, you may overrun us and then we lose our, our, our status. We lose our elite class with our slave class. So, so it was mandatory infanticide, mandatory uh, AB 2223 was mandatory abortion. It was mandatory throw the babies in. Well, there was a woman called Jochebed. She refuses to give her baby up. She's like, my baby is a miracle from God. And I'm not letting any evil, corrupt government, law, politician tell me what to, to, to kill my baby. Uh, uh, uh. And the Bible says she hid the baby. And when she could no longer hide the baby, she gave him to God. And when she gave him to God, the Bible says that that baby was drawn out of a river and named Moses or Moshe. Moses drawn out would become the deliverer who would draw out over three million Israelites out of bondage and out of slavery. But it all goes back to a mama with faith, a mama who refused to bow, a mama who refused to comply, a mama who, who pushed back, who said, you know what, government, get out of my family. Government, you're not telling me what to do with my children, with my faith. As for me and my house, we will serve. It was a mama's courage that brought us Moses, that brought us a deliverer, that, that rescued Israel from the hand of Egypt. It was a mama. In Luke chapter 1, 
Verse 26, it says, The angel Gabriel appeared in a house to a young woman by the name of Mary. And he says, Mary, highly favored, blessed are you amongst women. And she was troubled at this greeting. And, and the, the Gabriel just keeps going. He says, you're going you're to get pregnant and you're going to give birth and you're going to bring forth a Messiah and you're going to call his name Yeshua ben Elohim, Jesus. He's going to be the son of God and, and he's going to save the people. He's going to save the planet. It's She's like, hang on, I think you got the wrong address. I'm not married. Hello. He's like, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you. The power of God is going to come upon you so that the child in you will be holy. He'll be called the son of God. And he says, and besides, if you need evidence, this is now the sixth month for your auntie Elizabeth, who was called barren. She's also with child. And Mary's like, what? And then she says this in verse 38. She says, then let it be unto me, as you have said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. When she said that, when she said that, pregnant outside of marriage in Israel carried a death penalty. At the very least, if there was a lot of grace and mercy, at the very least, she would have been ostracized and vilified. She would have been ridiculed. She would have been gossiped about, talked about, pregnant. Not only that, the Bible says she was betrothed to Joseph. Joseph knows he hasn't slept with her, and now she's pregnant. And she's like, yeah, yeah, no, no. What happened was, right, an angel came. <laughs> oh, yes, of course, an angel came. Go it, keep going, Mary. Yes, yes. Oh, an angel of the Lord shone around you. Oh, yeah. Like, so the Bible even says that Joseph, because he loved her and was brokenhearted, didn't want to publicly shame her, but he felt wounded. He felt... Like everything in her life, when she said yes to God, everything in her life was about to be radically turned on its head. She was about to face incredible upheaval, ridicule, mocking, slander, ostracized, even lose the love of her life possibly. But her faith says, let it be to me, let it be to me. And because of that, she gives birth to Jesus who becomes the savior of mankind. Isn't it interesting that God saved the world through a mother? They say, well, you know, the reason that God is so hard on women is because it was Eve and what she did in the garden. Well, Adam listened. Where, where, where was his, his bravado and leadership? Why didn't he slap the apple out of her hand and say, don't eat it. That's poison. It'll kill you. You know, I, sometimes I wish that Adam and Eve were aboriginals. Because they would have eaten the snake and left the apple. <laughs> but they weren't Australian aboriginals. But isn't it interesting? People say that sin came into the world through the woman. And you get all these misogynistic preachers who twist the scriptures and have a, have a shot at us. That's why women can't have. That's why women shouldn't. That's why. But isn't it interesting? God sees it very differently. Wow, okay, sin may have come into the world through Eve, but the Savior is coming into the world through Mary. The Savior is coming into the world through a mother. I'm going to, because as he's coming through, he's going to redeem everything the devil has defiled, everything the devil has polluted, everything the devil has contaminated. 
He's going to, and then the last one, number three, is a mother's heart. A mother's heart. Like I said, the, the father is the head of the home. The mother is the heart of the home. Uh, I love the story of Hannah. Hannah, the Bible says, uh, was barren. And she has a husband called Elkanah. And Elkanah has two wives. He has Hannah, and then he has an, a second wife called Peninnah. And in the story, the reason this happened was he loved Hannah. He married Hannah. But when he saw that she was barren and unable to conceive, they have no social welfare. They don't have social security. So he knows that his future is dependent when he's an old man upon his children being able to take care of him in his old age. And so when he realized that Hannah is not producing, he takes on a second wife called Peninnah and she's like a baby factory. She's just knocking out babies. But here's the thing. Peninnah is giving him children. But she knows she doesn't have his affection. He would leave her bed and then go and the door would close and he would hold Hannah at night. Peninnah would be pregnant, bringing forth children. She would be giving him children. She would be securing his future. But his heart was for Hannah. Hannah knew that Elkanah loved her, but she envied Peninnah because Peninnah could give him children and she couldn't. Both women, both women had the same husband. But both women wished they had what the other person. Hannah wished she had babies. Peninnah wished she had affection. And the Bible says the rivalry became so intense, so hostile, that when they went up to church, when they went up to the temple, Peninnah provoked her the whole way, making her feel so pathetic and so that Hannah couldn't eat. And the husband comes and he says, listen, why are you not eating? Is it because you can't have children? Am I not better to you than 10, son? Which only a man would think like that. Aren't I better to you than 10 sons? I mean, look at me. You're welcome. You know, and she's like, oh. So she goes into the temple. She starts praying and a backslidden priest by the name of Eli, backslidden, can't discern. He can't discern drunkenness with fervency in, in spirit. And he says, what is this drunkenness? Put your wine away from you, you wicked woman. She says, don't think you're serving a wicked woman. I haven't touched any alcohol. This is travail of soul. I'm asking God. I'm believing God for a breakthrough. And when he realized his error, he says, go and may the Lord bless you. He was backslidden. He was backslidden. But he was still under the anointing, under the mantle of the office of priest. So his word still carried kingdom power. And he says, go. And the Bible says, when she went back, Elkanah knew her. And she conceived. And she brought forth Shmuel. She brought forth Samuel. Samuel was the one who anointed David as king. But it was, it, was, it was her heart. And the Bible says that even after her breakthrough, she followed through. How many people say, God, you know, bless me, God, you know, I'm going to commit this division bills. I'm going to do, you know, God, if you just bless, if you just, and then when the blessing comes, it's like we find all the reasons. She has one son, finally has a son, and she made a covenant with God that if you give me a son, I will lend him to the Lord. I will give him all the days of his life. 
Well, she weans him and then she makes him a little linen ephod and he's three and she takes him down to the temple and she says to Eli, this is the one a few years ago when I was here, you prayed for me and this is him. And Eli says, may the Lord bless you, multiply you and give you more children. The Bible says that she has another five children because of her dedication. Giving enlarges our world. But let me, let me finish on a, 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 a less awesome note about another mother in Mark chapter 6. When we're talking about heart. Mark chapter 6. Uh, go to verse 17. John the Baptist is in prison. And John the Baptist is, Herod has put him in prison. It says, for Herod had sent, himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, or Herodias, however you say it, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. John had said to Herod, dude, the reason your life's jacked up and the reason you're not getting the blessing of God is you're in adultery. It's not lawful. God can't bless you because you took your brother's wife and married her. She's still legally married to him. You're in adultery. Therefore, Herodias held it against him because she saw it as a threat because she upgraded. Herod's brother, Philip, was just a tetrarch. He was like a county supervisor. But, but Herod was governor. And so she got to go to all the governor balls and she got to live in the governor mansion and she got, you know, a shopping allowance and she wore the, and she was one ching, 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 ching on all the Vogue magazines and Vanity Fair and, you know, all the news articles were, man, what is she? She's the first lady of the, of the palace of the kingdom. And so when, when John the Baptist is saying, dude, you, you, you can't do this. She sees him as a threat. It says, therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles and high officers and chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give to you up to half my kingdom. Up to half my kingdom. So this teenage girl went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask? What shall I ask? And her mother said, the head of John the Baptist. A mother with a jacked up heart doesn't just ruin her life, ruins her daughter's destiny. Can you imagine Herod said, because this little girl from a little girl would twirl and ballerina and dance and she loved dancing. She comes in and she dances and it so moves the palace that everyone's clapping and cheering. And Herod says, my God, this is incredible. Sweetheart, anything you want up to half my kingdom. If she would have said, I want, I want the the, the street that has all the commerce. Would you give me that street so that I own all and, and every vendor pays me and I'll never have to work it. What about all the beachfront properties? I could have all the beachfront properties and build a hotel. The, the things that she could, she could have asked. So she goes to her mummy. She goes, mama, this, 
this opportunity, I don't want to blow it. Mama, what do I ask for? But because her mama had bitterness in her heart, had resentment in her heart, her mama says, ask for the head of John the Baptist. You know why she was asking that? She says, I want you to cut off the, the prick in my conscience. I want you to cut off the Word of God that condemns what they're doing right now is they hate truth. They hate the Word of God. They hate the gospel. They hate what the Bible teaches because it pricks their conscience because their actions are evil and they want to behead John the Baptist. They want to behead. They want to, they, 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 they want to shadow ban. They want to eliminate from Twitter. They want to eliminate from Instagram. They want to eliminate from Facebook. They want to, they want to start a ministry of truth, a ministry of disinformation, a disinformation play, they, 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 because they are so threatened by the voice that calls out their actions. But the saddest thing, in, it came through a mama that had bitterness in her heart. Can I just tell you, mamas, your heart, your heart is where God meets you. Your heart is the holy of holies. It is the sanctuary. So I want every head bowed and every eye closed right now. And here's the thing. Our hearts are the most vulnerable and the most susceptible. If you've gone through a bitter divorce or a betrayal, or you've had a spouse that has cheated on you, the impact, though it may be financial, and there may be some physical, but I'm telling you the greatest impact is on your heart. And the house of God is the place where God does heart surgery every Sunday. Your, your children are going to come and ask you for advice. But if your heart carries bitterness, if your heart carries brokenness, if your heart carries resentment, if your heart carries unresolved wounds, you'll end up giving advice that'll cost your children their destiny, that'll cut off the, the conscience, the voice of God in their lives. So while every head is bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you're a mom and you're saying, I've got pain in my heart, I've got bitterness in my heart, there's been betrayal, there's been abuse, there's been infidelity, and I need God to heal my heart. While every head is bowed, every eye closed, just quickly give me a wave of your hand. I'm going to pray for you mamas. Thank you. Thank you. So many mamas. So many. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Can I tell you, beautiful ladies, beautiful mamas, let Jesus heal your heart. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The same Jesus that preached the gospel is the same Jesus that heals broken hearts. He heals the wounds of our hearts. Father, I thank you right now for the spirit of forgiveness to flow. I want you to, to just... Forgive the person who wounded you. Forgive the person who betrayed you. And I know, I know they do not deserve it. But you don't deserve to live another day captive to what they did. You can't go back and change it. But you can give them over to God. You can trust God that God will be dealing with them. If they repent, they'll find mercy. If they don't, I would hate to be in their shoes. But you can trust God. God is God, a God of perfect justice. But sweetheart, you don't carry it anymore. Don't carry it anymore. They say that unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. When that bitterness in your heart is almost like taking beautiful water and putting mud or putting dirt, putting a defilement in it. 
It'll pollute your heart. It'll ruin your decisions. It'll ruin your wisdom and your counsel. It'll cause you to cut off the things of God. It'll, Father, we right now, we bring release and we bring freedom in Jesus' name. We bring release and we bring freedom in Jesus' name. Church, why don't we stand to our feet? Can we put our hands together for all of those mamas that just, just responded? I've got a hand back to, to, to Dr. Matt. But listen, while we're standing here, if you're away from God, and I'm so glad you're here, maybe you came to church because mama asked, this, this is my Mother's Day gift if you will come to church. But friend, I'm telling you, God loves you so much He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Your life isn't meant to expire at 75 or at 80. You're meant to have everlasting life. Now, there's a difference between life and living. There are a lot of people who are living, Pastor Mark, but not everybody's having life. One of the things that probably first upset you when you walked in is, oh, they can't be that happy all the time. I reckon they've put something in the air vents. It's a happy gas. Because no, what is that? Yes, yes, we are. And here's the thing. For the next billion years, in fact, Jesus says there'll be more joy in heaven. There'll be even more joy in heaven. So it's only going to crank up from here. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, do it today. If you're away from God, come back today. If you're far from God, don't walk out the same way you walked in. You don't have to leave far from God. Maybe you're here today and you're drowning in guilt and in shame. You know what the Bible says? It's so beautiful. The Bible says all have sinned. All have sinned. There's no one who does right. None. They've all gone astray. I'm a sinner. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, says when it comes to sinners, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. So we're not saying, hey, if there's, if there's some, we, we know all have sinned. Sin separates us from God. Don't walk out the same way you came in. So if you're one of those uh, three or four categories of people, you've never given your life to Jesus or you once did and you're away or you're here today, you're just far, or there's just sin and guilt and shame and you need God to not just forgive you, but to wash and cleanse you. Would you just give me a wave of your hand? I'm going to say a prayer and then I'm going to hand back to, to Dr. Matt. Who are those ones? Just... Thank you, sir. Thank you. 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 Who else? Thank you. Who else? Just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Who else? Is there somebody else? Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you over there. I see your hand, darling. Thank you. I see your hand. Come on, let's say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, on this Mother's Day, I want to thank you that you are my Heavenly Father and that you love me and that you are for me that you gave your only son to die on the cross, to cleanse me and make me new. I declare today, I am forgiven. Every chain that the devil had over my life, every hold, every grip the devil had is broken. Today I'm free. I am a child of God. Guilt and shame and addiction is broken off my life. I thank you that your love begins to flood my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. 
or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.